Um, again, my family's a little worried about me and fire, but uh, these are, you know that uh, the Advent calendar begins the first or fourth Sundays of, of Christmas, and so uh, we started by talking about hope. Had we got around to it last week, we would have talked about peace, but we had the kids here, and that was fabulous. And uh, this week, we're going to talk about joy. And uh, so that's, that's the deal there today. This is the third Sunday of Advent. It's the beginning of the Christian calendar, and we've been focusing on the words that the angels gave to the shepherds that first Christmas so very long ago when the angels said, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. When we talk about joy, and when we read the Christmas story, we realize that it's a thread that is going through the story constantly and continually. Listen to this phrase that is used to describe the emotional reaction that the Magi, the student scholars from the East that had been directed by a star to a place where the king lived, that the king that they sought. When it says in the scriptures, when they saw when they, the Magi, saw the star, they were so ecstatic that they shouted and celebrated with unrestrained joy. Let me just read that one. That what they were ecstatic and they shouted and celebrated with unrestrained joy. Can I can I ask you, when was the last time that you shouted with joy? When, when was the last time that you celebrated, that you danced, that you hugged everyone and everything you saw and met? You, you were so full of such unrestrained joy that you could not contain the emotion. Was it at the birth of a child? At the appearance of a person that you had been separated from for a long period of time and there they are standing in front of you? Was it when you worked hard for a particular goal or a project and you had successfully completed and, and saw the fulfillment of that? Was, was that the last time that you were celebrating with unrestrained joy? When you made a discovery that changed your life, forever altered your history, your perspective. When was the last time that you were so happy that you just sort of lost control? The thing that I've discovered about Canadians is that our identity is a little more on the British side. We like to be a little restrained. We like to keep the cards close to our chest. We, we, we don't do a lot of things that, that require shouting and tears and unrestrained joy. The thing that I have also discovered as I've been studying and preparing for this, this Sunday is that joy, God's joy, comes at the most unexpected times to the most unexpected people in the most unusual circumstances. The, these magi, they, 
these learned students of science and astronomy had, at some point in their history, they had received a God-inspired revelation that the times that they lived in were incredibly important and significant. At some point, they had been awakened to the Jewish scriptures that had made their way from Israel up to where they were, quite a ways away from Israel. And, and at some point, they had become interested in, in what had been predicted and prophesied that, that there would be one who would be born that would alter the course of history. And the, and the prophecy came out of the book of Numbers. If you've been in the book of Numbers, you know that it's a hard read. It's, it's one of those things that you have to keep slapping yourself to stay as you read through. But in, in, that, in that book, there's enshrined one of the most interesting stories. There was a prophet, a man that would hear from God and announce out loud the, the thoughts and the desires that God had for his people. And this prophet was an interesting man in that he wasn't a God-loving, God-fearing, God-serving, God-worshipping man. In fact, he was described as a wicked prophet in the Bible. A, a, a wicked man who hears from God and speaks for God. Although he was wicked, he, he wasn't a false prophet. What he said was true and accurate in the way that it reflected the heart of God. He'd been recognized by one of the enemy kings of Israel, a Moabite king, as a prophet of power and ability. And the Moabite king had asked him if he would stand over Israel, if he could be hired to stand over Israel and pronounce a curse, to curse them in their ability, to stand on a hill from a high vantage point and announce and declare over the people of Israel a curse that would reduce their power and reduce their ability to withstand the power and abilities of Moab. So, on three different occasions, the prophet is taken by the king secretly with a, with a little bit of an entourage to stand over a mountain where, where Israel can't see them and he's, he's paid to extend his hands and pronounce a curse. The prophet stands... And he understands that his words don't have any power if, if God's not behind them. And they're just words. They have no authority. They'll make no difference, no change. And so he seeks God and he stands on the hill and he listens to God and he turns towards Israel and he says in front of God, in front of Israel and in front of this Moab king, how can I curse what God has blessed? How, how can I come against what God has made promise for? The king is angry. He's, he, he, he's angry at the prophet, and he gives him a second chance. And, and at another place, and another opportunity, he says, now is the time to declare a curse. But again, after listening to the words and, uh, and permission of God to speak a curse over Israel, he stands up, and in the presence of the king that was paying him to deliver this curse, he says this, I have received a command not to curse, but to bless instead. I have been asked to bless this nation because I cannot curse it. This made the king Moab crazy mad and, and, and he's just about out of his mind and he says, listen, if you can't do what I paid you to do, then it would be better for you to close your mouth and not to ever speak again. But I'm going to give you a third chance. The hatred was so intense in this king, so powerful for the destruction of Israel, that Balak the king gave Balaam the prophet one more chance to break the strength of Israel. 
and curse them. And so high over, unsuspecting people of Israel, the prophet listens for God and he hears even more blessing, even more promise for Israel. And these are his words. This is the message from Balaam, the the message of the man whose eyes see clearly, the message of one who hears the words of God, who sees a vision from the Almighty, who bows down with eyes wide open. The places that you live, Israel, are beautiful to the Lord and are visited by the presence and favor of God. Abundance in every dimension will be attended to the places you go. Your king will be greater than all the other kings. His kingdom will be exalted and more powerful than all the other kingdoms. I see this king but I understand that he is not here and he's not at this time now, but in a far distant future from where I stand. His arrival will be marked by a star that will rise out of the place where the people of Jacob live and a powerful scepter of authority will emerge out of Israel and that power will crush the heads of Moab's people and it will mark the change in world history and the greatest enemies will fall and be conquered by this king of kings that comes marching triumphantly out of Israel. Somehow, some way, these magi had gotten a hold of this prophecy, and, and it somehow, some way, had come alive in their life, and they knew that this was the far-off time. There was something in them that just cried out, that called out for, for understanding, and every day they would look for the star, look for, for a sign. Unexpectedly, they catch sight of what they thought was a star. It was unlike any star that they had ever seen. It moved not from east to west, as most stars do, but rather it it moved. It led them from where they lived in the north and east of Israel, and it directed them every day, just like the pillar of fire at night and the cloud that moved during the day in the times of Moses when Israel moved towards their promised land. It it led these scholars to to Jerusalem, and then it sort of disappeared, and and they didn't know where to go, and so they, they go to where a king would live. They go to the palace, and they inquire, do you know where we can find this king that's been born in the line of David? Now, the king that sat on the throne at that point in time was not a king from David's throne he, he was Herod, and he was not a descendant of Jacob, or as we later call him, Israel. He, he is Jacob's jealous, he comes out of Jacob's jealous brother's line. And the Jews hated him for that reason. And their hearts did never accept him as their king. And, and even though he had done many good things to help them and to enrich their country, they, they despised Herod. And Herod goes behind the scenes and he says, just wait here for a moment. And, and he calls together his intelligence community, the, the Jewish scholars. And he says, listen, help me out here. I have foreigners in my palace who are looking for a king. They're looking for the Messiah of Israel. And they say he has been born and they want to know how to get to his place of birth. What can you tell me? The scholars studied the Old Testament and they knew of the prophecy of Balaam in Numbers and and they tell him that this king promised and prophesied would be born in Bethlehem. 
And Herod goes back to the scholars and he says, listen, my, my intelligence agency tells me that this king is to be born in a little town about five miles away from here. It's called Bethlehem. Go find him and then come back and, and give me the location. Give me the details so that I too can go and worship him. Magi leave the presence of, of the king only to again encounter the star. And it takes them again from the north, from, from Jerusalem to Bethlehem in the south. And it directs them not to a, a specific region or area or street, but to a specific house. And it was in this specific experience of divine guidance to the house where the king who would, be, who would change the world is living that these men of science and, and understanding react. And when they saw the star, they were so ecstatic, the scriptures say, that they, that they shouted and they celebrated with unrestrained joy. Ecstatic. The discovery of fulfillment of a long-awaited God-inspired desire to see and to worship at the king that would change the course of world history. Unrestrained joy found by unsuspecting strangers in the most unusual place at a moment in time that was full of danger for them, surrounded with plots and designs of death. Unrestrained joy. Like I said, it's a thread throughout the Bible, but especially throughout the, the narrative of Christmas. Let me help clarify what we mean by joy. The, the dictionary defines and, uh, what joy is. It says they're a feeling of great pleasure and happiness. A feeling. The, the problem with feelings is that they come and they go. I've been following with many people over the years who've been in health struggles, and in the morning the news is good, and there's health, and there's strength, and, and there's enough to do what they had planned, but by noon the feelings have changed, and, and they're weak, and the doctors are perplexed about symptoms that have suddenly occurred, and, and the answer is uncertain, and no one knows what to do, and the evening brings some relief, and so there might be a little hope again. But feelings come and feelings go. The feeling of pleasure. Do you remember as a child the feeling in the pit of your stomach when you would either be in the car with your family or, or rush down a hill and, and the, the feeling in your stomach, it, it's like butterflies and it would tickle and, it, and you would giggle. And... and and now as an adult, you can go down that same hill at a greater speed and feel nothing. Am I the only one? Like, do you remember that? I'm old, but I, you know, I can still remember. Where did the pleasure of that feeling go? Pleasure's like that. It comes and it goes. The same is true of happiness. Debbie and I were out shopping this past week, and my happiness was very present when we discovered what we were searching for, but the feeling disappeared when someone was driving their shopping cart and left it in the middle of the aisle. <laughs> or when you got to the cash line only to, to realize that you were 111th in line, and they had one cashier. 
or that the thing we had found, the perfect gift, didn't come in the size or the color that we were searching for. Happiness evaporated. I'm afraid that the dictionary doesn't give a good or full account of what we mean when we talk about biblical great joy. When, when we talk about this biblical joy, it has to have a component that talks about constant confidence. Because the joy described is not intend, intimidated when someone disagrees or denounces the discovery and the revelation that joy brings. It also has to have a, an element, a, a component of expectation. Again, joy is found in the most unexpected of places, at the most unexpected of times. The joy of biblical proportion doesn't just come when there are signs that everything's going to be okay. It, it doesn't just show up when we feel pleasure or happiness. There's an expectation that even in the darkest of times, this is not the final outcome. There's an expectation that at any moment there will be reason for joy and it will reside, it will, it will grow despite the circumstance of all who stand around critical of what's going on. Joy has an element of breakthrough capacity. The facts indicate that there's no hope. The experts say that there's no way that anything good can come out of this situation, that anything of significance will happen. And then, boom, all of a sudden, unexpectedly, there's breakthrough and the impossible is possible. That which couldn't take place, takes place. There, there's a breakthrough component to joy. And finally, there's, there's an attitude, there's a... There's a strength that comes with confidence, the expectation of joy. The, a, a promise is made, its, it's arrival is down the, th down the road, and we might have to fight our way through all sorts of obstacles to get down the road. But when we arrive at the promised spot, at the promised time, the promise will come true. And there's, there's an attached to joy that, that, an attachment to joy that imparts strength to those who are looking for the fulfillment of promise. You know, we're, we're uh, about nine days, eight days, it depends when you open your presents, but we're eight or nine days away from Christmas. And children know that eight or nine days, boy, that sounds like two eternities backed into one another. It just, like, when will it be here? I remember as a kid, early in the morning, saying to my parents, how long before we get to open presents? I, I read a story this week, and, and I'm not suggesting, I just found it funny. Um, they, they, a, a parent who wrapped a bunch of empty boxes, and every time a kid would ask a question or be annoying, she'd just go to the, to the, to the uh, fireplace and throw the empty box in and say, well, there goes another one of your gifts, you know, like... <laughs> But there's a strength that comes in a child's mind that the countdown is on and that yesterday was 10 days, today is 9, and tomorrow will be 8. We're getting there. It's slow, but we're getting there. We just have to hang on for another week. Strength comes with anticipated joy. 
Joy is a multi-layered, complex understanding throughout the Christmas story. So let's, let's follow the thread. The, the, the story begins with an old man. And I'm not being disrespectful. It's how the scripture describes him. Listen to the words of, of Luke's gospel. Zacharias and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes, careful to obey all of the Lord's commandments and regulations, and they, they had no children because Elizabeth was not able to conceive. And they were both very old. I'm old, but they were very old. These are good people. These are people who love God. These are people who are careful about how they live and, and cognizant of what God wants and expects. But they, they're people who have had their share of disappointments. They had always wanted children. They had dreamed of children, but a condition that was found in Elizabeth made it impossible. She was not able to conceive, and what's more, the time of reasonable expectation had come and now was long gone. Both Zacharias and, and Elizabeth were very old, but there comes an unexpected moment. It's an unexpected place to a man who is excited to carry out the role that he carried as a priest in the temple in the capital city. He stood in the meeting place with God ready and willing to do the work that he had been assigned, the, the work of a priest at that moment, and not expecting that his life would be touched, his life would be changed with a promise that was coming his way. And in, in the midst of his service and duty, he encounters in front of him a messenger that has been sent from God with a specific promise for him and for his wife. It says Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw the angel. And the angel said, don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Your wife Elizabeth will give you a son and you are to name him John and you will have great joy and gladness for many will rejoice in his birth for he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. So, so many things that, that I want you to see here, things that not only apply to Zechariah but, but are real and relevant for you and me. The first thing is, is that there is no reason to fear. I want you to hear that this morning. Circumstances are not in control. Disappointment is not the des determination of your expectation. History is not an indicator of your future. Waiting is not denial. Discouragement is not the legacy that comes to you. Do not be afraid. Do not be ruled by anxiety and disappointment because God has heard your prayer. The prayers that you have prayed have not been ignored by the Almighty. He is not disappointed in you or in your expectation. You prayed these prayers and when you were young and now you are old and there's no, no sign of their fulfillment, but God has heard your prayer and he's sending you a word of promise this morning. You will not be a people of disappointment. I tell you this, I will be specific because the details are unbelievable. They are unexpected. But that is the way of joy. It shows up when you least expect it. Zachariah, your wife 
will give birth to a son and your son has a mission from God and you will call his name John even though that's not in your family line or genealogy. You will call him John and this promise will bring you to a new place in life. You will experience great joy and long-lasting gladness because his life will make a difference in his generation. He will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He he might not appear on, on the billboards chart of greatest hits or receive an Oscar nomination or win a a major sporting title or sit in a political throne, but all that counts is that God will make him significant because God sees this promised son of yours as significant in his plan, in his purpose that he sees and that he has for the world from this point in time until the end of human history. If you are in a place this morning in a place where you lack joy, if something has stolen your joy, if disappointment has crushed your joy, if the lack of an answer to the thing that you were fighting has snuffed out your joy, there is a word for you today. Go to the promise that God has made to you and remember what he has said. If you have not heard his promise, get as close as you can to him as often as you can and ask for his promise on your life. God is not a man that he should lie. He says that if you seek me, you will find me. If you listen, I will speak. If you draw near, I will come closer. Get hold of the promise and hold on to it and fight it through because on the other side of the promise is great joy and gladness that will remain in place, not just flee at the first sign of difficulty. But that, that isn't the only place that, that joy shows up in the Christmas story. Disappointment had had such a long hold on Zechariah's life that even though there was a promise and it was delivered by an angel from, from the mouth and the heart of God, he dared not believe it. Disappointment had, had crushed the ability he had to believe that miracles still happen. And even though that was the case, that didn't disqualify him, but it did render him silent for a, for a long period of time. From the moment that the promise was made until the son was named, he would be unable to speak, unable to react in the way that would have been natural, to be ecstatic, to shout, to dance, to cry, to declare the goodness, the faithfulness of God out loud with celebration and unrestrained joy. Instead, he sat in silence. But listen to the story. When Zechariah's week of service in the temple was over, he returned home. And soon afterward, his his wife, Elizabeth, became pregnant and went into seclusion for five months. And she said with great joy, she said with great joy, it was with joy she declared, how kind the Lord is. He has taken away my disgrace at not having children. I've waited, I've doubted, I've despaired, I, I've had sleepless nights because of my disappointment, I've, I've attended baby showers and, and with a fake smile on my face thinking, well, that's good for you, but after this is over, I go home to an empty house, I read another book, I cook another meal, I wait for a child that never will come. 
But at the moment when I least expected good news, it comes, and with great joy, I renounce my disappointment, my doubt. I declare publicly, and I announce out loud before God and everybody, God is good. The Lord is kind. He has reversed my situation. He's taken away my disgrace and my disappointment. This Christmas season has moved me to a different place than I'm used to being. I love the call on my life to be a pastor. But I love to hang with my sheep. To release them to be who they were destined to be. But in this season, I, I, I sense a bit of a prophetic mantle on my life. And I'm announcing with boldness and authority to you, my people, that this is the time for you to be careful about what you say to God and about God. And about his treatment to you. Let your faith speak for you. Not your disappointment. Let the promise of God inspire your speech. Rather than your disappointment make your words heavy like lead that will fall at your feet in disappointment. This I know. God has heard your prayer. This I know. God has heard your prayer, and his ways are higher than your ways, and his plans are loftier than yours, and he will open doors and opportunities at the most unexpected of moments and restore joy in the most unexpected of places. It will be greater joy for you to continue your praise at that moment of fulfillment with the same strength and faith that you stand in this moment of waiting as you declare with great joy, I believe it then, I know it now. God is good, he is kind, his ways are perfect, and he is not failed me, but far exceeded my expectation in his time. Does that make sense to you? I believe that this is not just for one or two people, although it has that kind of specific attached to it. I believe that this is a word for our church. Declare his goodness now so that it rings true. It's genuine down the road at the place of fulfillment that the Lord is kind and my joy continues. But that's not the end of joy. Mary, she's a teen. She's engaged to be married to a young and promising man. Plans are underway for a great event in the marriage of this lovely young couple. There, there are things that need to be done. There, there are expectations that need to be fulfilled. There are protocols to follow. But the young woman finds that she gets into a bit of a quagmire of, of emotion. She has an angelic encounter and receives a word of promise that she is pregnant with a baby. That while she is the mother, the child is, is special and fathered not by her fiancé whom she has not known sexually, but is, is fathered by the power, the authority of God and that the child within her is not just a baby, but is the Son of God, the hope of the world, the salvation of all mankind. And such information is too much for a young woman who has a brain that's not yet fully developed and she's not got the capacity to get the, the process and, and process all that it means. How do you tell your parents that you're pregnant with the Son of God? How do you break the news to your finance or fiance that, that, that you were pregnant with a son when he knows he's not the father? 
How do you face the, the town, the community, your neighbors, knowing that they'll jump to conclusions that won't show you off in the very best of lights? How, how do you answer the questions that come? Well, I know that it's hard to believe, and I know that there's no precedent, but I believe, but believe me when I tell you that this was divine. This was a God thing. This, this thing will become eventually known as an immaculate conception. Oh, sure, Mary, sure. Yeah. So God directs Mary to her much older cousin's house for a time out, a time to process what she's heard, a time to to think through what she's experienced. It'll be a time for her to prepare. Mary knows nothing of Elizabeth's surprise and joy, and, and yet she's compelled by God to go to that place, that cousin, for help and solace. She arrives unexpectedly. Elizabeth isn't expecting her at all, and, 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 and something happens. It's hard to imagine, and it's even more difficult to explain. Elizabeth feels something unusual at the very moment that it happens. It, she, there's this supernatural revelation and understanding. She, she hears the voice, she feels emotion, and she knows the meaning, all of it, in, in, a, in the blink of an eye. She, Elizabeth, describes it this way. Mary... You called my name the moment you came in the door. And when that happened, the, the baby that I carry, oh, that's right, this old lady, she has a baby on board, a special child in me, and, and he's going to do the unusual, and he, that's right, this old lady has a son on board, and this son carries destiny and blessing and favor of God on his life. The voice that I heard, when I heard your voice, this son within me danced with ecstatic joy. Have you ever watched someone out of confusion and hopelessness Walk into the answer that they've longed to find? Have you ever seen someone dance for joy? Have you seen the mom on the Ellen show who has a sick child who has medical needs and attention and has no resource and Ellen gives her one of those big cardboard checks and tells her that she's going to see the best doctors in the country and that there's going to be hope for her child. Do you, do you remember what happens? Tears start, the mouth is covered by both hands and she just starts going like this. She's so excited, so full of joy. She doesn't know what to do with herself. What I dare not think about is now a reality, and I don't know what to do with it. And this is a child who has never known disappointment, never known discouragement, but at the sound of your voice, this baby inside of me went into ecstatic dance of joy inside my womb. Holy Spirit came and filled my baby and then filled me, and I'm prophesying into your moment of being overwhelmed and confused and perplexed. This thing that has happened to you that I have not known anything about, this is a God thing. You need not to worry. You need to not to be afraid. God orchestrated something big, something magnificent in your life, and you need to know it is God. You don't need to despair. It's 
God, your hope, your desire to please God, I assure you, you have the attention, you have the pleasure, you have the smile of God on your life. You're not a disappointment, you're not being punished, you're not being disciplined. It's God, it's God, Mary, it's God. Again, it's a word of hope and promise for people here. Your, your prayer has been heard. The answer is unusual and it's tied completely to the timing and, and, and purposes of God. You do not need to despair, but instead take great hope. His promise will take you to joy. His timing is not a mistake. His answer is the answer that only God can give so that there will never be doubt in your mind, that there will never be a question in telling the story. This was not your doing. It was, at, it was God at work in, your, in his perfect timing and God's work and God's pleasure through you. Hold on, my friend. Joy is on its way. Really? Joy is on its way. Joy is on its way. You who are sick and weak, do you hear me? Joy is on the way. You who are tired and disappointed in the weight, do you hear me? Joy is on the way. You who are swallowed up with anxiety and disappointment and have believed the lie that God doesn't care and is not involved and will never touch your, your, your situation, I have news. Joy is on the way. You can doubt. You can mock. You can discount yourself as not part of the picture or you can embrace the promise and watch for the answer and declare by faith, joy is on the way on the way. The season is about to change. The liar will be revealed for who he is. And mark my words, take note of the date. Joy is on its way. I'm not preaching. I'm prophesying. I'm delivering the promise of God. If you seek him, you will find him. You will hear him. Your joy is on the way. Your joy's on the way. I had a good message planned. I didn't but at 2 o'clock I woke up and it all changed. You need to know that I usually dread the Christmas season messages. I love Christmas. But because I've been here for 34 four years in one church with the same congregation, how do you make it fresh? How do you make it new? The answer is that you can't, but God can come on a word and he can make it spring to life. And I believe that he has and is doing it. And there's something that is dancing unexpectedly with joy these days because I'm announcing that this is the time to get ready for the fulfillment of the long-awaited promise of God. Joy is on the way. What has happened has been good, but more and greater is on the way. Get ready. Be, on the, be Elizabeth ready. Be Elizabeth ready. Joy is on the way. I, I feel like I've gone back to my roots. Decla declaration of the rhema word, the living word. This time is near. The promise is real. The expectation is certain. Get ready. Joy is on the way. If we're going to print up Christmas cards, it's going to say joy is on the way. Again, that revelation sets off something in Elizabeth, and the joy has a response. It comes out in a prophetic utterance. She, she has no idea about Mary until all of a sudden this understanding, this revelation comes, and, and she just blurts out, you're blessed among women, and the babe in your womb is also blessed, and why am I so blessed that the mother of my Lord visits me? 
blessed woman who believed what God said, believed every word would come true. She prophesies over Mary, and Mary has this spiritual reaction that comes, and she hears the word that this is God. I confirm what you've heard. It's not a mistake. Joy's on the way. There's a spiritual reaction in her, and she starts to prophesy, and suddenly, unexpectedly, confusion falls off. Worry slithers to the ground. Mary has a spiritual reaction to the song that Elizabeth sings, and that beautiful aria that she has just sung is replaced by an even more beautiful song sung by a confident, faith-filled I am bursting with good news, Mary says. My my spirit bursts with joy over my life-giving God. I'm dancing the song of my Savior. God took one good look at me, and look what's happened. I'm the most fortunate woman on earth. What God has done for me will never be forgotten. Mark my words, this is the time to get into the word. This is the time to grab on to the revelation of God because you are going to find yourself speaking things that you never imagined to be true in your life and in your world. You're going to prophesy things that have, you've never dared to believe, but you will speak them in such a fashion that you will know that it's not you and you will be confident and you will be filled with faith and you say that what you say will be measured and carried out by God who has no idea how to lie or promise something that he's unwilling or unable to carry out. What God is about to do for you in and through and for you will never be forgotten. Don't miss the words here. Joy, there's going to be an outburst of joy over the promise of a life-giving God and what he has said to you will make a difference and will never be forgotten. Thank you. The joy is not over yet. In the most unexpected place to the most unlikely candidates, shepherds, Shepherds in the field, guarding their sheep from the wolves and from the thieves. They're they're in a place they're always at in night, close to the flock, around a fire, keeping an eye on the dark and an ear to the silence when a divine messenger arrives with a message from God for them. You shepherds, you're always out of the information loop. Nobody tells you anything. God wants you, unlikely crew, to know that you've not escaped the attention of God. You have no reason to be afraid. God is at work in you. God is well informed as to who you are and where you are. He knows how to reach you. He has reached out to you tonight with information that will change the course of mankind. It will alter the way that you think. It will will alter the way that you live. He wants you to know that tonight something unusual has happened. Despite the normalcy of this time, the lack of expectation in your heart and your mind, you need to know that God is up to something. He wants you shepherds to know that the good news is good news. He has come not to condemn you, but to, not to shame you, not to belittle or embarrass you. He has come to save you, to set you free, to release you from a destiny and into a purpose and a promise. The promise is that tonight is about to pass. The night, the darkness of this night is about to pass and there's going to be a dawn. The wait is over. The joy is great. It's more than a few. It's, it's for you and for everyone who will hear, accept, and believe. The joy is unprecedented. It, it's for everyone everywhere. No exceptions. You just need to believe, he says.
Jesus would later prophesy to his disciples that he was about to return to the Father and that it wasn't to be a moment of sadness or discouragement. They were to be on the inside of a secret. He wasn't leaving them alone. He was sending a comforter, a guide. He was sending the Holy Spirit of truth that would lead them into only things that were true. And part of the work of the Holy Spirit was to show them the things that are unseen, unknown now, so that they would be prepared, they would be filled with expectation. That in the midst of conflict, persecution, and trouble, they would have joy that comes from having the inside scoop, the inside info. The picture that God gave me is the picture of Stephen. Here's a godly man, a powerful man, falsely accused, hated by hell and its horde. And, and the mob on earth is inspired to drag him to the outskirts of the city where they began to stone him to death. In the hope of silencing his power and influence, they try to kill him. But, but Stephen has this insider information. The rocks are coming and the men are filled with such rage that they cannot be stopped in their murderous mandate but he doesn't see the hatred. He doesn't experience the pain of the circumstance. He's filled with joy because of insider information. I see God. I see the Son of God standing at the right hand of the Father. I see his plan and his purpose. What you are attempting to do by killing me will fail. But in fact, you will release and fan the flame of God that is going to come and, and move out of this city and go and settle on every hamlet, every town, every city, every nation, every tribe, every language, to every nation. What the enemy meant for evil, God has, God is, God will redeem and make for the rescue and salvation of nations. You can have joy today because of insider information. God's not weak. God's not passive. He's not unaware of you or your situation. He is the promise. He is on the throne. He is active and is about to, to break through in surprising and unexpected ways. You, you know this because you have insider in, information. Holy Spirit is announcing the things that are to come so that you can be prepared. But you announce your faith, your trust, that you can go to battle and dance the ecstatic joy dance of expectation despite what circumstances look like despite how big and intimidating the Goliath that stands in front of you is know this you are a David who knows what no one else in the nation seemed to understand at that point in time he stands in front of Saul and says I want to fight the giant and, and Saul says to David you can't beat this, this giant of a man um, Music team, can you come and play the second song that you were, you were playing this morning? David said, I, I have insider information and, and experience. I've been a shepherd. When a lion or a bear came, God allowed me to go after it and grab it by the throat and wring its neck and kill it. I will do the same thing to this Philistine. God who delivered me from the teeth of the lion and the claws of the bear will deliver me from the Philistine. Insider information brought great joy and confidence. Finally, there's an Old Testament instruction on joy. 
The people of God had been captured and had been taken away from their homeland as as prisoners of war, and they were gone for a long time. And while they were gone, the city of God had fallen into ruin and disrepair. God awakens Nehemiah one night to ask him to ask for the impossible. Request of his captors to release him from his captivity so that he can go back and rebuild the capital city of his land. They had no money, they had no resource to build, but God performs a miracle after miracle and they get back and they start to rebuild. However, while they are building, there are threats, there are dangers, there are spiritual and physical attacks that come and the people are anxious and hesitant about how to carry on, much less how to celebrate feasts and the goodness of God. They're, they're living in torment and fear. And Nehemiah stands up and he says, I have insider information. God's going to look after us. God's going to enable us to finish the task at hand to rebuild this city. He's going to allow us to repel every enemy. He's going to establish us as a nation once again. I want you to take the promise of God and and let this information be an assurance to you. I want you to be confident and I want joy to be more than an emotion. I want joy to be more than a feeling of pleasure and excitement. I want it to be a strength to you. I want that joy to live in you so that you, when you see trouble, you're not unsettled, but you're reminded God is here. He's promised. He's true to his word. We're going to have a breakthrough. Let the truth of God, let the joy of God be strength to you so that you can carry on. God gives joy to you so that you can be strong in the face of opposition. wrote one of the most beloved Christmas carols. It wasn't meant to be sung at Christmas. It was meant to be an announcement of the second coming of Christ, a celebration of his return to receive the bride to the church. So he sat down and he penned these words, joy to the world, the Lord has come. The church adapted fit the words into Christmas celebration and it fits perfectly. It gives expression to the joy that we have at this season of of Christmas. But we can adapt it yet again with this truth. The God of heaven has come to you, has come to me, has come to our church, has come to your situation this morning with promise that carries joy. He's made a promise. He's he's wanting to impart confidence to you. He's, He's wanting to fill you with expectation that there is coming a breakthrough in your circumstance. He is wanting you to know and to experience the strength that comes through miracle provision. That, that comes through hope, that cannot be defeated. He wants you to experience mountain-moving faith and to experience insider information. He wants you to experience the full meaning, the benefit of joy, and let that joy be your strength. Will you stand right now? In this room this morning, in this room this morning, are people who have been overwhelmed by disappointment. They're confused. They're not sure where or where, what to, or where to go. 
I have news for you. Joy is on the way. There, there are people in this room who have been given a diagnosis that isn't good, isn't right, isn't, isn't hopeful at all. Joy is on its way to your situation. There are people in this room this morning who, because of circumstances that life has come at them with, have no hope, no, no anticipation to celebrate this season. You've, you've even wondered, how can I carry on living? I'm speaking to you this morning. Joy is on its way to you. Joy is coming to you this morning. And they're going to start singing in a moment. And if you're